All right, you ready, Jay? Ready when you are. All right. Welcome to the Real in Real Estate podcast hosted by me, Lindsay Perino, a realtor in Tampa Bay, Florida. This podcast was created to bring awareness of what real estate agents actually do and some other helpful insights in the industry for the average person. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram and St. Pete Real Estate. Our guest today is Jason Highland. Hey, Jay. Hi. Thanks for having me. <laughs> of course. All right. So let me tell you about Jay. He was born and raised in New Jersey, so sorry for any foul language ahead of time. He went to Wagner College, played D1 football, and graduated cum laude with a degree in finance and economics. Ooh, ooh. Walking alongside his father's footsteps. You like that? Walking alongside instead of in. Uh, that's fair. <laughs> he worked on Wall Street and eventually ended up moving to Florida, like every other northerner. And he's currently working for one of the world's oldest and largest asset managers. But we can't say the name. He is securities. Top secret. <laughs> Top secret. He is securities license. He has his securities license, right? Yep. Has an absurd amount of accreditations and designations, which I wasn't going to put in here because it would take five minutes. <laughs> Most of the time doesn't mean anything to anybody anyway. I mean, it does. After your name, the comma means a lot. But you wanted me to say cum laude, so it means something. <laughs> and he's here chatting with us about a popular topic today that concerns us all in Florida, right, around the world, but um, mainly Florida because we have a lot of condos here. So he has personal experience. Um, he purchased one in 2014, and he's also going to give us some finance background on condos, too. So yeah, whatever he can offer. Th this could go any number of directions. <laughs> you know, we're, we're opening Pandora's box. But I did prep you, so try to stay in line with the questions. No, well, I'm just kidding. Even if I write out a script, I tend to uh, stay to that script for about five minutes. And, and then, then it's a free, Then it's a free-for-all. God, so, okay. What was your experience in 2014? I have some data here. The data is awesome. We'll get into it maybe. I know a lot of people don't like talking about Numbers, because a lot of people don't know the real estate data, what it means, absorption rate, yeah, inventory, but it was an entirely different time in 2014. Are you glad you did it? Yeah, overall, I mean, your first point, it was an incredibly yeah. different time. I mean, you look, compare 2014, really 2014 through 2020, it was yeah. very much so uh, a buyer's market. You had a lot of power, a lot of control. You controlled the narrative of, you know, what inspections were done. There was right. some negotiation and pricing. Obviously, that went out the window in 2020, 2021. Half so. of 2020, right? Um, so my experience <laughs> overall was interesting. And I think we checked off all the boxes of what you would want to know when you're buying a condo. You know, I, I think there's really five things that, you know, anybody in your spot would say, look, we need to address this, make sure that we're finding the information that we need when we're buying condo. Yeah. Um, the first one is whether or not it's a warrantable condo. And really all that means, and the background on it is that post 2008, there was a bunch of changes. Essentially all condos in essence in Florida are non Fannie Mae warrantable. That just means right. you're not going to be able to get traditional financing on those properties. That means 25% yeah. down and that's a, a bit of a sticker shock for some people. I know for me, you know, coming from New York, New Jersey, not a lot of condos up there. And Florida was really the only state that didn't do away with some of these post-2008 restrictions leading to these non-warrantable condos. So right. it was new to us. Um, 
through this whole process of buying the condo, I used my dad's company. One of the things that they do is, is mortgages. So okay. you know, later on, you know, we'll probably talk about what you would want or what I want in a real estate agent. Um, connections like that help. You yeah. know, having someone that can navigate some of these complex situations, it allowed me to close that that deal in, in 45 days. Um, and, and that's really just scratching the surface. So, you know, we had to come up with the extra money for the down payment. Knowing that going in is important. It's also important to know whether or not there's pending litigation against either the building, the developers, or the HOA. Yeah. We found out within, you know, two weeks that there was a lawsuit pending against the developer um, Wait, on your condo that you were buying? On the condo buying. that I bought, that I had an offer in on, that we just you know pieced together 25% yeah. down payment. We found out there was pending lawsuit settlement against the developer. And all of that was centered around them cutting corners and building or constructing that, that complex back in 2005. So that was another issue that we had to overcome. Fortunately, that- Well, there's a lot of issues that you have to overcome. First, when you're financing a condo in general- with yeah. Freddie Mac or Fannie Mae when you could have, because they both do a lot of background checks. Whenever you're buying anything and you're financing it, you're going to go through, you know, looking at the deed, looking at the title, making sure that you the home can actually be sold to you, right? Or the condo in this case. But then condos have even higher, I guess, due diligence that's done on them opposed to single family homes because there's things like the developer, Developer could be sued. Maybe they cut corners when they were building the condo. Yeah, that was our big Or problem. the HOA, right? Like what happened with Surfside, unfortunate well, to say. but And that, that would be one of my final points when going through the list of things that you want to know, too. It actually is one of my five. Um, to that point, though, I mean, you, you, you got to rip through the financials of these You got to know what you're buying. And all... Obviously, the lender wants to know what they're buying. The lender wants to know, and it's part of the reason why they want to know if there's any litigation pending against the the building, the HOA, the developers, because from a, a bank standpoint, if there's a, a big settlement that comes down that the HOA has to pay out, all of a sudden, they're you know illiquid. They don't have the solvency to pay what they need to pay to just keep the building standing, and then you're never going to get the loan on that. Is that why they – is that what assessments are for? So maybe share with some people, too, because – we're in the real estate industry, not like one person just buys and sells condos. Yeah, Agents do it all, right? Single family homes, condos, townhomes, et cetera. And you got to know a good amount about each to know what to advise your clients on. But as far as the condos go, is that why they hold a certain amount in yeah, so their HOA fund? Yeah, your HOA is In case going they to get sued? or. Potentially. I mean, assessments. there should be some type of legal cost reserve. I mean, this could just be, you know, tax planning, these little knickknack things. There's okay. a million different line items of what they're funding for. A lot of that funding is coming from those monthly HOA dues that you pay right. as, as an owner. Um, so, Which are you know, excruciatingly when, high right now. Yeah. And I can rip that apart because that's <laughs> you know, from, rip from, it from, apart. From 2014, <laughs> really up until the last year. The experience of owning a condo has been very painless. I lived in it for you know six, seven years. I've been renting it out since 2020 when I moved to St. Pete. Um, but you know now you're running into the downfall of inflation. Yeah, the cost of everything has gone up, and it's starting to trickle down. So when you're buying a condo, you need to make sure that those reserves, those financials, are are accurate, that things are being funded, that they're not running a, def a deficit on, you know, 
collecting those dues. So look at the delinquency rate on how many, what percentage of homeowners or, or condo owners are, uh, are are not paying those dues because that's going to catch up over time. Right. The more and more people that aren't paying their dues, the less money the association has to fund the projects, the maintenance, the repairs that they need to do. So that's really Just important. Just like fixing up a house. Right. You know, it, it's a budget and they back into that budget. So it, in accounting, it's called a, an actuarial calculation. They're basically looking at all these different categories of expenses. Uh, it could be as simple as, you know, our, our management company that we use. You know, mm-hmm. how much is it going to cost for them? How much is it going to cost for the, the security company, the other amenities, pool maintenance, landscaping, right. yada, yada, paint, you name it, electricity. The big yeah. one, insurance. So, big. It's yeah. what, like, it was like a 22 or 24% hike on in some condos, not everywhere around Florida, but I know specifically where I am, yeah. the condo that I'm living in, it was about 22%. Well, And I swear they paint the same door <laughs> every other month. I'm like, do we really need to pay for the door? You know, well, we can go down that rabbit hole a different yeah. time, but... Initially, getting your hands on the financials is important because yeah. you can look at it and say, all right, do we have money reserved to, to pay to whatever capacity what we're going to need to maintain over time? And we certainly don't want to be in negative cash flows because if you run, you're running into a, a purchase where they're in mm-hmm. operating in negative cash flows, more likely than not, you're going to walk into an assessment or a spike in HOA fees. Yeah. And buyers, by the way, you are allowed to ask for those meeting minutes and to look at some of those financials just as your lender would um, so that you know what you're signing up for. Yeah, you actually- So make sure, agents, that you do that. 100%, (laughs) get the minutes, get the balance sheet of the HOA, get the cash flow statement. You can uh, also get their tax returns from previous years as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And and you can outright ask, is there an assessment coming? I mean, that's all, you know, you gotta check these Don't rely on the listing agent. Always do your own due diligence. But the, the problem that we're running into now, I mean, we talked about inflation. We talked about yeah. insurance. Now, you know, for the last year, it's been a bit of a wake-up call for the like building that I own. I mean, it, it was a non-warrantable condo. It did have litigation. Now inflation is catching up. Our insurance on the building went up 40%. They're in the process Holy of replacing shit. the roof, which the cost of materials, the cost of labor has obviously skyrocketed that project is going to go notably over what they've budgeted for the last, you know, probably 15, 20 years. What year was your condo built in 20, 2003? 2005. Oh, right. So 20 but, years you is know, typically. In, in 2005, they're, they're figuring out how much they need to get from every single resident to pay for these projects down the road. But they're using mm. inflation rates more in line with historic averages. Historic inflation rate on average is somewhere around 3%. Inflation peaked out at 9% last year. And in certain pockets of the economy, certain goods, certain services, that was well higher. Certain areas of the country, that was also higher on top of that. So those actuarial calculations in determining how much money they need to collect to pay for the things that they need to maintain and repair, Mm -hmm. it was skewed on the downside. Right now, they just don't, they're not taking in enough money to pay for what they need to do based off of the cost of everything. And honestly, okay, so... You have a condo. I live in one currently. If we knew that information ahead of time, I think we'd be a little bit more understanding of, look, they they weren't expecting this to happen, right? No, nobody could have expected. Nobody right. saw inflation hitting 9.5%. Right. Almost 95 Like, 
and I know this is probably a bad example, but pool maintenance, that's inflation affects everything. The cost of everything increases. Building materials, roof materials, wood, metal, steel, we've all seen it increase, right? Like, yeah, and when you're looking at a, a building, I think we have about 300 units in that building. Okay. So the, the one main appeal to a condo is that, you know, you get to move in, it's typically cheaper, you don't have any maintenance, you have to do yourself, you're not cutting lawn, you're not cleaning the pool, all that stuff. But that becomes less appealing when the real estate market <laughs> yeah. goes up to the rate that it has, the cost of buying into these properties is higher. And then now, and even in my situation, HOA fees went up 15% this year, and they still are saying that there's an assessment coming this year. Oh, because, for your building? For my building. Damn, Jay. And on Honestly, top of that, HOA fees right now are like paying rent. Yeah. I mean, my, my it, HOA fee when I first bought it- In addition to your mortgage, if it you was, took one It out. was about $360 in 2014. We're up to almost 500 now, a yeah. month. I mean, with interest rates gone, gone up, that's not you know a, a, right. a, a nice house, but you know- when I bought in 2014, that was almost a two, equivalent of a $200,000 house in 2014, just in an HOA fee. Right. And so that's I'm glad you even went down that path because I wanted to talk about why was it so attractive to buy condos back in the day? I, I think it really centered around the affordability, the lack of maintenance. They're so common in Florida because it's a snowbird state. Yeah. You've got a lot of- You can leave. You, know, you don't have to worry about it. Right. You know someone's going to take care of it. You know, you get packages delivered. Mm -hmm. You know, someone will hold There's on to them. There's security sometimes. There's yeah. a million different reasons. I think the biggest is just the type of people that Florida attracts. Yeah. People that are, are largely not here all the time. Obviously, since COVID started, that's changed a bit. Mm -hmm. You know, Florida is one of the biggest benefactors of this, um, you know, de-urbanization of the population, moving out of these big cities Great into the J. more... <laughs> SAT word. <laughs> um, For the win. You know, People are moving out of these big cities after mm -hmm. COVID, certainly during COVID, and they're moving to states that are cheaper, you know, lower cost of living. Yeah. That includes real estate. Insurance down here is definitely not cheaper, but net net still cheaper to live here. And then low taxes. I mean, that's a big thing. And that's always right. going to benefit Florida. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I think that was the appeal. But, you know, now it, it's gotten to the point where buildings are older. Mm-hmm. Post Surfside collapse, regulations and laws, ordinances have changed. Um, you know, by 2025, all HOAs have to have enough money to fund basically a, a replacement or repair of everything in the building right. at any point in time. And they have to have the, um, what's the inspection? The yeah, framework? They, well, not yeah, framework. The, the engineering inspection. Engineering ins yeah. How was that even being skipped? Do you know? Did you read into that? I didn't. Because um, I know other condos have also skipped the framework well, and yeah, engineering I, I mean, the, checks. So the, the lawsuit that was pending against my building when I bought it was based off of the developer cutting corners. So I actually had a conversation with my dad a couple of weeks ago about this when I got news of a pending assessment coming because the roof is going to run over How costs. much was it? They don't, don't, they don't know yet. <gasps> So, you know, I'm sitting there trying to run Excel spreadsheets, figure out, you know, what <laughs> square footage of the where, roof. Yeah. How where much are materials? No, <laughs> no, but, you know, to the, the financials point, I always say get them initially when you're buying, get them annually. They send them out annually anyway. Yeah. And look at them because I've kind of petitioned through the years in looking at the line items of, uh, of you know, their expenses and saying, well, why did why are we paying our building manager 40 percent more this year? Why are we paying right. the security company 35 percent more this year? And, you know, you get enough residents behind you, you can control, 
you know, kind of the, the, the overhead cost of what's happening. Right. You know, be your own advocate. Are you on the board? No. no. <laughs> That's a different story. HOA boards. N- n- nobody <laughs> wants me on an HOA board. Um, so, you know, when you look at that annually, you can go line item by line item. They, yeah. they have to tell you where they're spending their money. Right. So you can see, pick and choose, and then start to ask questions. Start to, you know, advocate for your best interest, for the other homeowner's best interest, and, and find ways to help them cut the costs and where they're really seeing the big overhead increase. Right now, obviously, it's hard to do that with insurance, with the Florida insurance market just being an absolute mess. Um, so this process only goes so far. But, you know, you do have control over it, and you can't just really turn a blind eye to it. Certainly not up front. You need to know that they have enough money to pay what they need to pay to avoid higher fees and and uh, walking into an assessment. But year by year, it's also very helpful. Yeah, I think, you know, seeing everything that's coming out right now and we talked about the reasons why it would be appealing to buy a condo back in the day. Um, so many, you know, like our parents, people in their 50s, 60s, 70s thought about buying a condo because a single family home has so much maintenance. Right. Yeah. But now I feel like there's a little bit of a shift and we can advise differently. Right. On snowbirds who want to retire down here or, you know, not necessarily be a snowbird, the full time retirement. Right. And maybe advise that a single family home would be in their best interest. It's a little bit more to put out. You know, single family homes values are up still so much from last year, about 11 percent. It's toggling between. But would you say that's maybe a better investment? And you know, it, it depends. I think it needs to be a part of the conversation and you just need to really do the math and figure yeah. out, okay, here's option A, here's option B, whether, you know, option A is a townhome or a condo and option B is a, you know, individual residence, do the math, figure out, you know, what's your purchase price? What's your interest rate? What are your fees? What's the projection on those fees going up? Even if you were to go into it with the the knowledge or being told that fees aren't, you know, your monthly HOA fees aren't going up, Mm-hmm. Do the math and say, all right, you know, let's say this is going to go up 5% a year for the next 5, 10 years. What does this look like down the road from an affordability standpoint? And then, you know, do the same thing on an individual house with, you know, here's my principal interest, taxes, you know, my mortgage payment. Then, you know, we all know taxes are going up as well. I mean, taxes yeah. on my condo went up 300% this past year. So, you're not being dramatic. No, literally, <laughs> they tripled. <laughs> Okay. You know, so by so, the way, I'm not going to do all that work at all. <laughs> I'm not going to be in a spreadsheet doing that. I'm going to be like, hey, Jay, favor. Well, <laughs> or but, you can go to Jay, by the way. <laughs> well, that's the great thing about having a real estate agent with connections. They yeah. can go to the right people, find you a lender. They can find you someone that can run some quick math for you. They can, right. you know, find a or have a relationship with an insurance agency to help make that transition a little bit easier. But, you know, it, for, for me, it's all about letting the numbers speak the truth. Mm -hmm. You can't fudge the numbers. A lot of people look at Zillow, for example, and they say, all right, you know, Zillow's estimated my mortgage payment is going to be X. Here's my, you know, principal and interest. Here's my taxes. Here's my insurance, Mm -hmm. et cetera. That's not always the the truth because Zillow doesn't always accurately represent the fact that when you resell that property or you purchase it, that tax base is going to reset. Right. You're not paying the same property tax that your previous the previous owner paid. Yep. You're paying a property tax off the purchase price that you're buying it for. So that's obviously going to be higher. Right. And it can be so much higher. And this is what your agent's supposed to do the due diligence on. Look in, into it for you. It's PCPAO here in Pinellas, pcpao.gov. Um, 
Twitty is his last name. Is it Mike or Mark Twitty? Mm. Matt. Maybe Matt Twitty. Some some guy Twitty. (laughs) Some guy Twitty. (laughs) They have a really cool calculator where you can go ahead and say, hey, I'm going to purchase for $599,000. And whether you're going to homestead your property or not. And they'll actually give you an estimate of what the property taxes will be. Because sometimes when you're looking at that data, somebody was grandfathered into a tax rate from 20 years ago. Yeah, Maybe I, they own the property for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. So your taxes will be astonishingly different. Yep. So don't always go based off Zillow. The state can only increase your tax rate by a max of 3% per year, I believe is the number. And on top of that, if you're a snowbird and you don't have this property. That's but, for homestead, right? That's just or in that's general. Or that's just in general. general. So okay. homestead, if it's not your primary residence, Mm-hmm. You don't get that homestead exemption, which is like fifty thousand. It's a fifty thousand dollar drop in your taxable value for the first hundred thousand, yep. and then the second hundred thousand, I believe, is twenty five thousand dollars. So if yep, you if right. you buy a five hundred thousand dollar house, the first hundred thousand of value is dropped by fifty. The second hundred thousand is dropped by twenty five. So, so layman's terms, like if you buy a house for one hundred fifty thousand, you have homestead, it you'll actually be paying taxes on the hundred thousand not 150 in a sense. Yeah, it's reducing the taxable value. Yeah. But if it's not your primary residence, you don't get that homestead tax exemption. Right. So you're going to pay it on the market value. On top of that, if you buy the property through an entity like a trust or an LLC mm-hmm. as an investment property, whatever the structure like is. Like Maverick Enterprises. <laughs> very similar <laughs> in theory. You also don't get homestead exemption. Yeah. The state does not offer homestead exemptions to entities. These are a million. I mean, like I said, you can go down a rabbit hole. There's a million different. Wait, entities is an LLC? Sorry, I glazed yeah, over that for an, a second. An LLC is considered an entity. It's a legal entity. So no homestead I, yeah, exemption. Yeah, you don't get homestead exemption purchasing a property through an entity. It's no I want to di- go down a whole rabbit hole of what's the benefit, but we'll. <laughs> He's like, Wendy, I have things to do today. <laughs> that could be tax management. Uh, you know, that could be podcast number five. Episode, yeah. yeah. Um, so this you know, is four. Th- so you want to come on again? <laughs> like I don't know, Jay. I need Maybe some 15. time. <laughs> I, need a, I need a bit of a break. Yeah. But the oh, point God. is that there's a, a myriad of different combination yeah. of circumstances that you need to consider, um, and, and I think all of it at this point really leans to things like condos costing more. Yeah. Than more than expected, right? More and, and as a result, becoming potentially less appealing, right? Um, so he gave us the financial answer. Every situation is different. Uh, you know, he gave us the every situation is different <laughs> answer. <laughs> you, you got it depends. You, you really need to go and and account for the facts. Yeah, because your facts are different than my facts. Right. And see what combination of circumstances makes sense for you. Yeah. And the last thing I'll, I'll say about my experience with buying a condo is you need, and I would say this is the case in any real estate purchase, but mm-hmm. especially with condos, you need to get. A seller's disclosure. Always. Always happens. If you can be in a situation where you're buying properties without relinquishing your rights to an inspection, Mm -hmm. to an appraisal, to the seller's disclosure, a misrepresentation of facts on a seller's disclosure is illegal and it's a breach of contract. And I ran into this when I purchased my condo in 2014. There was electrical issues. There was plumbing issues. Neither of the two showers actually had hot water and the water pressure like kind of like trickled out. And they were like, well, sorry, like that's your problem. Do you know what contract you used? Was it standard or as is? It was as is. 
so that's the the worst part of an as the worst best part of an as is right best part for seller worst part for a buyer is because an as is contract you're you're accepting it as is it's, it, I get right it. But, and they can say on the seller's disclosure the seller can say by no fault of their own i'm not sure it's my best guess yeah i don't know but when, even flippers <laughs> when contacting them you and your average real estate agent they tend to show their cards and in this case they knew about all this stuff well in advance they didn't disclose it mm-hmm. on the, the seller's disclosure and they initially refused to repair everything to bring it to normal proper working did you do condition. an inspection yeah of course you that's did how that's we, how you that's found how, out yeah, about that's it how we found right? all this stuff okay um, so I basically had an attorney draft a, a letter that says, look, unless you bring the, these issues, Jason's got balls. <laughs> if you, unless you bring these issues to normal, proper working yeah. conditions, look, it's a, it's a breach of contract and we'll, if nothing else, cancel the contract, take our money back out of escrow, be, you know, be done. Did they get you. scared? Did they do it? Yeah. They immediately called an electrician and a plumber and we fixed it. Oh wow! But again, you know, you compare hey, you compare <laughs> that you compare that. You to, want to hire a lawyer? <laughs> you compare that to what we've experienced over yeah. the last three years. People have just been trying to lock in the houses while they can, and they've been giving up yeah, every single off right. The right. I mean, it's slowed down a bit, but you know, for much of the last three years, people are like, "I don't need an inspection. Mm-hmm. I, I don't need an appraisal. I'll buy cash. Whatever. I just want the house." Yeah, and they're not flying off the shelves now. I mean, our inventory is half of what it was yeah i think last year i think the normal running average is you have about four months three four months of inventory so they say it's five to six you'll hear like real estate estate i know my data (laughs) stay in your lane jay my bad (laughs) but they say anywhere from five and a half to six and a half or five to six well when i've been looking at the data over the last few years in florida pinellas county specifically we really haven't had higher than three months worth of inventory over the last few years. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a conversation I want to have in the future, but the new normal, right? Because we're in a different age. What used to be normal five to six months worth isn't so normal in Tampa Bay. It's a hot market. And unless, you know, we have a really big shift, something happens in the financial sector, we're not going to see that much inventory, I don't think, for a while. Yeah. And Even with the worst interest rates we had, you know, inventory is still just approaching three. I have it right here. Current inventory is two point or yeah, 2.9 months worth. One year ago, it was 0.7. And in Hillsboro, it's two months worth of inventory. A year ago, it was 0.5. So it's just never, yeah. gonna, I don't think it's going to be that high. I don't, I don't see it changing much. I mean, you got to think People ask me all the time, like, you work in finance, you know, should I go buy uh, another house? Should I go buy a rental property or whatever? And, and you refer them to an agent, right? Well, I, I, I ask them questions <laughs> first. Me, Jay. Yes. We'll have to uh-huh. collect a stack of business cards. Uh-huh. But more often than not, these people are coming to me and they're like, okay, I want to buy a rental property. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to put down money on it. Mm-hmm. Or I don't have the money. How do I how do I get this rental property with as as little as possible? Then the next question is: Is it a good time to buy? I, I want to wait for prices to come down. And at this point, I really don't see prices going down much more than they really have. I mean, what we saw from a price appreciation standpoint for much of COVID was driven by that de-urbanization, that that you know 
rapid uptick in demand for property. Get it while you can. Right. There, real estate is a Simple finite resource. Simple supply and demand. Right. It's macroeconomics 101. Yeah. The the less of a supply of something there is, the, the more, more willing demand. people are to pay for something. Mm -hmm. But then there's this, this law of diminishing returns. You know, supply and demand is a bell curve. So prices do get to a point where people in aggregate don't want to pay that. You can mm -hmm. look at it with real estate, you know, the combination of appreciation, the increase in interest rates, real estate over the last year has gotten to a point where it's not as affordable. So the demand for real estate dropped, causing prices to come down. You've right. seen it with new cars, used cars. That new equilibrium is reached when demand comes down. In order to spur demand again, prices have to come down to meet that demand. Honestly, I wanted to have this conversation too. It's like we're in a game of Sims. You yeah. ever played that game? Yeah. The Fed I is literally. I, I always. Is I always lit the house on fire. The of course you did. Yeah, the, but, the pyro in me. Yeah. But I mean, you you got to think. Real estate, again, it's a finite resource. Our population yeah. is increasing. People are leaving other major major metro areas for They're Florida. coming here. They did weather, in 2020. It's tax efficient. You name it. So all of those factors stand behind the fact that arguably real estate has seen the correction that it's going to see. Mm -hmm. You've seen the new home sales, home sales of houses that aren't even built yet. But, you know, there's contracts to sell them. All those have right. ticked up in the last you know, month or so as interest rates came down a little bit. So yeah. there is that that constant intrinsic demand because it seems like the world accepts the fact that real estate is is a finite resource. There's only so much of it. Get it while you can. And if there's a, a little bit of a glimpse of of better affordability, mm -hmm. you know, strike while while the iron's hot type thing. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't see that changing. And, and people well, ask it me has about, fluctuations. Like yeah. It, it it all ebbs and flows. Everything is mean reverting, but you know, you look you look at now relative to 2008, and that seems to be what everybody is really waiting for. Yeah. They're waiting for the next 2008 real estate market. Real estate in 2008 was a completely different animal. I mean, you can go down to the subprime mortgages. The big event, right? Yeah, what the, were we the, doing? The giving stated away, income loans, yeah. the easy money. You know, you could go into a bank, say you made $2 million, and walk out with a loan for a $5 million house, in theory. When you couldn't even afford it. <laughs> when you made minimum wage flipping burgers at, at McDonald's. Right. What did they call them? Plus double A? Uh, well, they're, all loans are, are Well, they rated. called them in 2008 like something they were They were no-doc, stated income, subprime loans. Subprime loans. Yeah. Okay. Subprime and, loans. And, you know, that that can go down a whole other rabbit <laughs> hole of, you know, let's, let's break apart what went wrong in 2008. But the reality is back then, too, leading up to 2008 – a lot of banks were issuing floating rate or adjustable rate mortgages. Mm. So those mortgages... Explain those real quick, so just in layman's term. Adjustable rate mortgages, you get in at a low, essentially a teaser rate. Okay. And those interest rates, so the interest you pay on your mortgage, resets to coincided market interest rates. When? In a year? Most of them Two monthly. Years? Oh, it's monthly. Yeah. 30-day adjustable rate mortgages. Okay. So if you look at the last 12 months, if you bought an adjustable rate mortgage in 2022 mm -hmm. in, say, March, you probably would have gotten in around 3 3.5%, obviously, depending upon your credit score. Which is good, but now you'd be at... But that would have gone up to... You six, know, seven. Six, seven, whatever it is, yeah. So over the course of 30 years, like, that's why when people ask you, is a good time to buy? 
over the course of 30 years, at least this is what I say while I try to stay in my real estate lane, when people ask me about different rates or the lending side of things, over the course of 30 years and at the rate in which single family homes or any property in Florida appreciates, you're going to come out on top. Uh, at Would the end agree? of the day, I, I summarize it as date the rate, marry the house. That's what every lender Are you a lender? No. I know a couple. <laughs> Too many times no. I've heard that. You can always refinance. And I yes. didn't know that that was that well known. Now I feel a little bashful that I shared a cliche. You did. <laughs> I, I'm only cliche on rare occasions. But um, you can always refinance. Find yeah. the house that you want. Rates go up and down mm-hmm. all the time. You can always refinance to a low rate. And would you agree Tampa Bay is a great market? I think for, it is. For doing so, so. My point with the adjustable rate mortgage conversation, as those rates reset, as interest rates were going up mm-hmm. in the you know 2005 to 2007, early 2008 timeframe, mm-hmm. people were literally underwater. They couldn't afford to pay their their mortgage, principal interest, mortgage, all that. So there, there was a forced selling. People had to walk away from their homes. You had this flood of inventory, and it, in the simplest terms, caused everything to just capitulate on the downside. Defaults, right? Yeah. Now you look at at the composition of mortgages, the vast majority of, of mortgages out there are fixed rate mortgages. They're, the, per, the percentage of adjustable or floating rate uh, mortgages is, is down, I believe, below 15% of all mortgages. That was almost 50% in 2008. Boom. So, Holy yeah. Holy crap. The the mortgage market, the the homeowners are less interest rate sensitive now because they've taken advantage of the last decade of low interest rates to refinance to that fixed rate. Right. That's what you can do down the road where, you know, right now, even though we've come down from a, you know, north of seven and a quarter percent average mortgage rate in the U.S., mm-hmm. or I think we're down somewhere around six and a half right now after the last few weeks. You could, in theory, just go refinance right now. I wouldn't recommend it's all about the monthly payment. Yeah. Honestly, when it comes down to it, what can you afford to put down if you can't work with somebody to do so? Right. There's a bunch yeah. of grants in the area for first time home buyers. There's so many different programs to help work with a financial advisor to help someone like Jay. But then also understand, like he said it, lenders say it all the time. Right. Like you're really looking at the rate, but it's not something that you're going to be stuck with. You have a way to get out of it. You have a way to refinance, but yeah. it's about your monthly payment. Can you afford that? Is it good? Don't miss out on the house, right? Inventory is a little bit low right now. So as it starts to creep back up, you're going to have more options, but you want to take advantage of something right now. So Yeah. And as there is a finite resource like real estate, I mean, like anything else, mm-hmm. you can talk about gold, diamonds. They're so valuable because they're rare, hard to find, and there's only so much of it out there. Real estate's no different. So I think that, especially in Florida, with that intrinsic demand, with the finite resource and the growing population, I really don't see any of these factors leading to a big drop in the market down here. Yeah. You heard it from Jay. All right. Last question I have for you. I'm curious. So real estate agents, sometimes people know us for doing so many tasks, more than we should, right? In Florida, we're a transaction broker. We help you get from point A to point B in the transaction. We try not to focus on the fiduciary stance so much from the financial obligation. We're really there to help consult, advise, work with five to seven to 10 parties at a time, right? Like we manage that for you. So um, with that being said, what are some important characteristics that listeners should look for in their real estate agent? 
I know you've worked with one in the past, but yeah, I've worked with a few. What do you um, want to make sure that listeners know they should? For me, I, I think doing things like you're doing is helpful. You know, mm -hmm. educating people on what they need to be looking for, uh, because you don't know what you don't know ultimately. You know, yeah. if you've never gone through the process before. You've never bought a condo or an, a single family home. You don't really know what to look for. Right. So having a real estate agent, whether or not they have, you know, 15, 20 years in the business to know what to look for, having them backed by some type of support organization that that can help educate them. And if they don't know the answer, they know where to find the answer. Mm -hmm. Those things are, are important. So having someone that can guide your thought process and help educate you, make sure you're not missing something is important. I want someone to be an advocate for me. I'm mm -hmm. a bit unique of a situation. I'm probably a He's a uh, unique individual. I'm, I'm a bit of a pain <laughs> to work with when it comes to real estate. And any of my previous real estate agents can probably attest to that because I read contracts. Did you hear he said agents, plural? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if any of the, the past ones would be future ones. And not by uh, my not by my choice, probably oh, by their God. choice. But, you know, I read contracts. I do math. I figure mm -hmm. out, okay, you know, the bank is telling me that my payment is going to be X, Y, Z. Why is it going to be X, Y, Z? I back into the math, try and make sure that, you know, there's there's no types of hidden fees. Um, but you have that experience from the finance side. So you don't expect, try to put yourself in a different pair of shoes. You wouldn't expect an agent to do no, all of that no, math but for I, their I clients, I want someone right? that, that is going to be able to, to handle me and the fact that I'm not just going to take something as is. Right. I'm going to ask questions and make sure that the facts align. Yep. I'm, I want someone that's going to be in the understanding that if something's wrong. They're going to the, hire a lawyer. <laughs> and, and the other party isn't holding up to their end of the contract, yeah. that there are going to be ramifications or delays in that. Mm -hmm. um, as I, they should, as all agents should. I think the, the big thing for me, though, that would make me go back to any of my previous, well, really one of my previous real estate agents, is that the relationship doesn't necessarily end at the closing date. Right. You know, I, I my last real estate agent, she, you know, sent a follow-up um, multiple times throughout that first year. Hey, make sure you file for your homestead, homestead ex yeah. exemption. Um if I had questions about getting an architect or a contractor, she had contacts. She mm -hmm. helped me get uh, initial insurance on the property. Um, you know, she was dealing directly with my lender on a couple different issues throughout the closing period. So all those things, I mean, you don't have to be a real estate wizard. That's more the relationship and being a person to another person. Mm -hmm. You know, going above and beyond just saying, all right, Here's a house. I'll show it to you. You know, I'll put in the paperwork for you. Thanks. Good luck on, on, on your new house. Right. Most real estate agents, I would say, don't go to that next level. They don't do all the follow-ups. It's becoming more common, I think. Mm -hmm. But having Saturated someone that, that will be able to get the information you need to make an informed and educated decision and then make sure you're checking off all the boxes even a year later. Mm -hmm. you know, to me, that's that's good business. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Jay, thank you so much for coming. I know you have a lot to do, so I appreciate you stopping by. I got more bourbon <laughs> You to need drink. a refill. <laughs> no, thanks for having me. My first podcast, so uh, hopefully. You sucked. <laughs> just kidding. Well, you know. Just We'll, we'll see what we look like on Martin camera. Martin, edit that out. I, I don't have a camera for Hollywood or a face for the camera of Hollywood, and I don't have a voice for radio. No, you don't have a camera. No I, camera. I definitely don't have a camera. <laughs>
No, but I appreciate the opportunity. It's been fun. Hopefully yeah. we get to do it again. Yeah. And are we able to put any of your contact information no. in the show? Oh, okay. No. All right. Well, this is just a one-sided deal for me only. Thanks so much for your time. <laughs> it is one-sided, but ha- happy to offer uh, guidance and advice based on It wasn't of- one-sided. I actually gave you alcohol. Well, that is, that is true. That's but true. I-, I can offer guidance and advice based off of my own personal opinions and my own personal research. That aren't associated what with I his employer. What I can't do is, is position my employer's thoughts, yeah. products, services, any of that as uh, a type of investment advice or you know, I, I can't share their views as my own views, essentially. So as a, as a person to another person, happy to, you There's know, your disclaimer, legal yes. disclaimer. Yeah, that's the, the asterisk and, and the <laughs> italics at the bottom of the uh, the email. Asterisk, Past asterisk, performance asterisk. does not guarantee future results, all that fun stuff. So if you try to come sue us, <laughs> yeah. there was a legal disclaimer Box on a jokes. podcast. <laughs> thanks so much, Jay. Yeah, thanks for having me. Bye.